This is Gresh and Fourier. We know what he does well, and it's get rid of the ball quickly, it's diagnose, it's make decisions like in those RPOs. Do I hand it off or do I pass it in that split second? I think Bill O'Brien's going to amplify those strengths. I think we're going to see the best version of Mac Jones yet. Andy Gresh. When it counts, we make it happen. Um, and that's been the trademark, I would say, of this team is that. When it counts, bet on the road. Christian Fourier. Uh, how it feels inside the house is, is very different from the perception. That doesn't mean uh, you know that that I'm arguing with where you know people are going to pick us where they're where, where they're going to pick us. We like our team. We recognize you know we're not expecting anybody to pick us to go out there and steamroll anybody. But we have a lot of talent on the team. We have a club that should fit together a lot better than last year's team did. And you know we have the ability to go out there if we play well, if we throw strikes, if we grind at bats. We have the ability to get to the postseason, and that's really what we're focused on. Gresh and Fourier, right now. I believe Jason Tatum is the best player on on, 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 on the Celtics. This was his opportunity to submit that skill and win this ball game. But he does have a, a chair at the table with about seven or eight of these superstars. But they say you can't sit down just yet. Yeah. We need to see a little more. You moron. You don't. On W-E-E-I. Oh, God, that guy. Final hour, 104. Aggression. Foyer here with you. Uh, let's dive headfirst into, uh, or re-dive, let's say, headfirst into uh, the pool and the story uh, that was done by Andrew Callahan and uh, the always fantastic Karen Garigian in the uh, Boston Herald today. Where Fourier, I don't want to say that there's anything in here that we didn't really think or suspect. However, there is kind of the validation and the confirmation of the, oh my God, it was pretty bad. Now, I know there are a lot of people who are upset at Bill Belichick, right? But yeah. <clears throat> but mind you, through all of this that we're going to go through, which, by the way, Bill Belichick created. He eats this one. But after we go through all of this, it is amazing to me that A, with all the dysfunction and no offense really to speak of, they still had a top five defense and they still almost went to the playoffs. This is really a med. Now, again, I know it isn't the, oh, oh great, you tried hard, da-da-da. It is amazing that on one end, Bill Belichick could make such a massive mistake with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, yet they were still relevant this year all the way to the final week excellent. of the regular season. Think about it. Any other team like this, any other team, I don't care who is who is in control, you're winning two games. Maybe winning two games. If you have this much dysfunction, if you have this much eye-rolling, just lack of trust, um, you name it, just terrible conservative play calling terrible in-game situational management right and, and like a normal team the average team you know most guys most teams they they win three games if lovey smith were here a la the houston texans they you're right they'd have been a three or four win team when it was all said and done that you know it's kind of a minor miracle that bill it's amazing that he can be so right on one side and so completely wrong on the other. And again, they were still relevant. But, you know, we start to see a couple of things when you sort of peel through uh, this piece. Number one, the clash of the new guard of Patriot coaches yeah. against the old guard of Patriot coaches. 
I know, because the thing that stands out to me, I mean, there's a lot in this, and they both Callahan and Garrigan, they did an excellent job with this, really. Yeah, and great I feel job like, by both of them. And I yeah. feel like we knew that once the season was over, somebody was going to talk. Somebody was going to say something, whether they had years left on their contract or not. It's just say, too who's, juicy. Who's a free agent? Yeah, it, well, I mean, even if you're not, it's just too juicy. There's just too many. Everybody needs, their explaining needs to be done. So here's the part. So I don't know what your feelings are with Joe Judge and how you viewed him and whether you thought he was just like the ultimate hardo. He was just, just there. I, I, I am actually, it's confirmation for me the why the New York Giants let him go so quickly, and how the players just were like, screw this guy, he's nothing but a hardo. He's nothing but a loud-talking, okay, let me uh, elevate my voice to prove to you that I'm important and you should be listening to me. Because here's a couple uh, a couple lines I want to read to you in regards to that relationship, which proves how nutty this whole situation was. It says, Joe Judge, um, uh, this is after Mac Jones got sidelined, he had the ankle sprain. Um, and then uh, he became, uh, and Joe Judge was, was less and less in those meetings. He says, Joe Judge later uh, suspected was in a long process of being phased out. It was a stark change from training camp when Judge would command meetings and share the play calling sheet duties, right? And like, like we saw with Matt Patricia, like they would keep switching. People were reporting it. Judge also coached across positions in practice, forcing other assistants to occasionally correct his talking points to players during drills. I think, quote, I think there were times the coaches were frustrated, especially the ones who had been on the staff uh, in years past and knew what they had done. He goes on, as Patricia came uh, under outside fire as the face of the offense, Judge drew increasing criticism from within. Belichick would blast him in practice. And it wasn't uncommon for Judge and Jones to trade profanity-laced outbursts. Jones's trust in his position coach was effectively non-existent. Quote, Mac didn't like him, one source said, at all. Not surprising at all. No. Can you imagine at the beginning of Camp Gresh, you have your quarterback coach walking around aimlessly telling other position players what to do right in front of their position coach, and then when he leaves... The position coach says, don't listen to that knob. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. What was he doing? The other aspect was how, and I'll just paraphrase this one, is how like during meetings, during team meetings, he would talk loudly to make it seem like he was important. So he would raise his voice because he had no power, he had no control, and he didn't know what he was talking about. And he came here with a sullied reputation he already had what a, happened with the Giants. Yeah, it's like he already everybody already knew what he was and what type of personality he was. So he would roll into a meeting room and just loud talk everybody. Well, you gotta listen to me because I'm really important. And this is you know, what I'm talking about. Like he does it when he talks to the media. He's just like that to me. This this hire, Joe Judge, was in my opinion worse than Matt Patricia. One hundred percent worse because the personality didn't mesh. But didn't he get Zappy ready? Oh please, I'm not. I'll give Hoyer credit for that. Okay. I'll give Hoyer credit for that. Even no, though he was fair. concussed, right. did he get Zappy ready? Well, I'm not they really also, aware about specifically what you're talking about. Yeah, they also went super simple with the, Zappy in there. What was the bigger? I mean, honest to God. Oh, no. It, it's just, Patricia my, was one, the I, – I, listen, I get it with Joe Judge, but ultimately he was only impacting four guys on the roster at the most. Who? Well, Joe Judge. When you're the quarterback's coach, you have that room, and – Oh yeah, but well, what percentage of the of the um, do they you know take care of? Like I say, only four people, but how much percentage of you know? It's a it's a big it's a big deal. Seventy five. But that's why we also saw 
Mac Jones huddling with Matt Patricia on sidelines after about week eight, where it, it, you know, and it felt like Matt was like sneaking over to him, like Mac, is it okay if I kneel down in front of you here? Are we okay? Yeah. Because they all knew what was going on, and Bill effing with him on top of it. So this might be even worse. If we thought that Bill Belichick was so loyal to Matt Patricia that that's why he put the stop down on Mac Jones because Mac was talking back, was it really about Joe Judge? And that Bill Belichick was defending Joe Judge more than he was backing Mac Jones? I mean, and the other part of this is just the fact that the players, it's like they try to really control the players and you know force them into submission. Don't act up. Don't talk back. Don't like, you know, don't let anyone on. Don't let people know that we don't know what we're doing. Just put your head down and do your job, right? That whole thing. Well, I would love to do my job, but I can't do it well because you're not giving me the correct tools. So you keep yelling at me for doing it wrong and not being successful because you tell me to dig a ditch, but you give me a sponge. How am I supposed to do it? I don't care. Just get it done. What are we talking about? And think about this, Gresh. Think about how how everything goes horribly wrong. So in the beginning, it's um, Billy Yates and Matt Patricia basically as your offensive line coach with Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. And then Joe Judge is going to, now he's going to handle just the quarterback. He's the quarterback's coach. Sure as hell, the relationship sours between Joe Judge and Mac Jones. Matt Patricia, to your point, has to be involved more. Um, So he has to handle Mac Jones during a series. And now Billy Yates is left all by himself to deal with stunts, movement, blitz packages, without a real understanding and resume of how to do it. Mm-hmm. With an offensive line, with young kids, guys that are disconnected, injuries, replacements, and now, good luck. Good freaking luck. Thinking there was no way it was ever going to work. It's just amazing that, to your point also, that they actually almost made the playoffs. It, it really is. Because this confirms everything that we thought. And look, Matt got upset and frustrated with the coaching, uh, the offense, I mean, there's a quote in here about players in camp being like, hey, we only have a small core of run plays in, and our passing game is basically non-existent. Because remember, that was when we were sold the whole, well, they're figuring out what is and what isn't in the playbook. Apparently, the playbook was about 10 pages, and it was all stolen from other people. And we hit on this, er- <laughs> and we hit on this earlier, but... One of the benefits of having a great coordinator, especially on offense, because on defense it is reactionary, and to me being a defensive coordinator is understanding your personnel, but that is as much understanding the situation you're in and how to attack an offense as it is anything else. But the great offensive coordinators, they can take their scheme and they can fix the problems within it. And if there was one thing that Matt Patricia was couldn't do – it's not the architect of an offense. He's a borrower of an offense. He took some concepts that said, ooh, I've this seen looks that really good. Hey, here's how we're going to do it. But you better do it against the right play at the right time, against the right call, or else you're going to have problems. That's why at times I thought for the third quarter, those first drives in the third quarter, why were they good? Because the defensive guys that are calling offensive plays had a chance to go in and look at everything. Oh, they're reacting to this and this formation, so we can run this play. That's why you come out and see six, seven play drive coming out of the half, and you go down and score a touchdown. But then what happened afterwards? 
See, the, see, once all of the adjustments started being made, the guys who need extra time to adjust, which was Matt Patricia and crew, were getting pantsed at times by teams who were like, "Great, that's one drive, good for you. We'll adapt. You can't react." See, to it. And that's and, and there was always they were always good for one drive. So they would have one good drive, mm-hmm. and then the defense was going, "Hey guys, this is all they're doing," and it never worked again. But they kept drawing up the same play. They identified it. There was no second choice. And then it was easy to defend. Lost it down, second and 15. Now it's now I can't make any, any of it up. Now it's third and 12. Good luck blocking them. <clears throat> they were never really. Here's a penalty. Now it's third and yeah, 17. Exactly. Now here's a and, penalty. And, 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 and what well, do you do? He throws his hands up and runs a draw. Exactly. Oh, he runs a screen. Right. Oh, geez. I didn't see that coming. What a shock. It's third and 16. Screen or draw. I mean, this and think about it. He didn't, Matt Patricia. You're, at, you're acting like he has this wealth of knowledge and information where he could, you know, self-correct in real time. No, if I'm scared and I'm nervous and I don't want to get embarrassed, and the coach is telling me just keep it close and don't turn it over. I am running vanilla plays. I am running basic plays. I am running plays with have a like ten percent chance of blowing up. Michael Irvin's going to join us at 1.30. However, what you're about to hear next out of this show is something you are going to hear nowhere else. Fourier found an old play sheet from a game that he played in with the Patriots. And language matters. I know I sound like I'm like him in kindergarten, right? A kindergarten <laughs> teacher. Language matters. Don't say naughty words. Well, how just a simple change in language can completely screw up an offense. Now, more Crash and Fourier. On WEEI and streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Michael Irvin's going to join us in five minutes, but we're going to jump back into the uh, story in the Herald. Here is a paragraph and why you are only going to get this breakdown on this show. As reported by NBC Sports Boston in the Herald piece, the Patriots reorganized their pass protection from a numbers-based system to a word-based system. The rules created confusion among the O-linemen and put Jones under a daily barrage of pressure in the summer. He began anticipating pass rushers or ducking at the first sign of danger during preseason games, habits that undermined the offense the rest of the year. So, Foyer, you played in what is the core of the Patriots offense, which you and I both think Bill O'Brien is bringing back in spades. They're going to go back to the old way of calling it. Explain to people who don't understand why this is such a massive deal and how players can be put in a position to lose and not win. Okay, so, so you're going to you're gonna go from a uh, a number system to explain a number system, right? If you're an offensive lineman, even if you're a tight end or, you know, or tailback or the quarterback, you know, every – so it starts at like 50s and it goes 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s to 100s and sometimes 300s. The 100s are play action. 50s are – like each number represents a certain type of – Pass play. Right. Okay. Five-man protection, six-man, seven-man, whatever. each one has a certain set of rules attached to that particular number mm-hmm. as opposed to 16. It doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't matter. 70s are 70s. You're not – an offensive lineman isn't listening to the call. They're just looking for 70 and the snap count. So sure as hell, you take a number system that everybody is used to, that everybody understands – 
Okay, and then you implement a new one. But isn't a number system, it is a word system that you, as the guy that implements it, doesn't really understand. But at some point in time, somebody told you that this was easier. It isn't. It isn't, especially if you don't know how to teach it and explain it. And it would be easier for four people, two people, to get used to a number system as opposed to 30 getting used to a number system. It's ridiculous. So when I saw that, it made more sense because nobody knew what they were doing, especially the left side of the line of scrimmage where you had David Andrews who was there, then got hurt, then came back. And then you had a rookie who had no idea what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And then you have Trent Brown, who, in my opinion, was disconnected from the start. I'm a right tackle. You pay me right tackle. You're not paying me left tackle money. You tell me I got to be in this weight restriction. You're telling me all these, all these requirements. Nobody knows what they're doing. So even under a basic set of circumstances, there was doubt right before, right after the play was called. And God forbid, in real time, everyone starts calling adjustments. I can easily see the old guys trying to explain to each other, not Cole Strange, hey, don't worry about it, bingo means 50. Okay, uh, you know, right. uh, Ringo is our old 60% protection. Think of it that way. Nice. Think of it that way, right? So don't get confused. Don't get this. It's just 100 protection. It's play action, right? So you seal the edge, right? And if they do this, you're responsible for that. Ah, uh, yeah. Can't you easily see how your wires would be crossed? So you were nice enough to sort of forward us a bit of a play sheet, right, from back in the day. This is this is from what one eighteen oh four. So this is I think this is a championship game against the Colts. Okay, so in in here you have the third and third and six. You have third and six through nine. You have third and ten plus. But just so we give a few examples, some of the stuff in the third and third and six, you would have uh, F right fifty eight D slant tosser. Yeah. Trips left 81 hot rock OPEC. Yeah. Two out slot Zach 68 D slant Y jerk. Okay, so think and about then, and then just zero out slot 140 yeah. hitch OPEC. And the linemen are listening for the numbers. That's all they're listening for. Right? So 81 or 58 or 79 or whatever, it sort of tells them where the power of the protection is going or whatever in the world it would be. But that's just an example of how easy it can be. And when you make it complicated for offensive linemen or where do I line up or how do I fix this protection – it makes you understand why Mac Jones was walking out on the field and waving off the offensive coordinator who's giving him a mile of gobbledygook in his ear instead of saying, uh, run number 38. I, I'm telling you, it's, and then at this point in time, you know, once you realize, once you implement a brand new system, it's like, hey, I'm going to pour the foundation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start building the house. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? I realize I, I, I want a different floor, floor plan. Well, the, the, the foundation is already poured. The concrete is already hardened. You can't change it now. It's too late. You're just going to have to adjust on the fly. So they probably sat there and tried to somehow streamline it. So then what they did is they just didn't call a bunch of protections. They called a couple of protections that they knew they could handle. But even under the best set of circumstances with limited pressure, they still couldn't pick it up. Mm -hmm. So the defense says, hey, guys, we don't need to blitz. We can rush four. Just twist. That, they can't that handle killed, it. It killed them. All the time. Killed them. The same pressures that hurt them in the Miami game hurt them in the Buffalo game. The same exact play. That's why Vance Joseph, defensive coordinator in Arizona, was like, well, looks like an offensive player calling, uh, a defensive coach calling offensive plays. I, Didn't work. I'm with you. And it's amazing that with all the changes like that, 
that the running backs knew how to protect with the offensive line when asked. We'll unpack more of this tomorrow because it really is the deep dive into why it went wrong. But joining us now for the last time this year on the Harbor One Hotline is our friend, the playmaker, Michael Irvin, brought to us by Bill DeLuca Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. DeLuca's got the deals and by the Catches Law Group, New England's personal injury pros at CatchesLaw.com. Michael Irvin with us on the Harbor One Hotline regression Fourier. Playmaker, good afternoon. How are you? Man, man, listen, man. Hold on. I'm walking out. Let me get away from all this music they're playing here in the gym. Ooh. Let me say. Is this is squat day? Thank you for turning that down. Is squat day? Yeah. See, yeah. And they turned it down. But I went trying to brag that I'm in the gym. Y'all see what I look like. Y'all know I'm in this gym. So let's stop playing with that. But, but, dude, hearing you say that, it's the last time. You know, it's amazing we've gotten in another season. You know, What's think about this. Another season past COVID. Another season, man, it's it, it just amazing. And, and it's going to be, I think, a hell of a finish with these last four games. It is, and we can get to the games coming up. But, Michael, today in the Boston Herald, there was, a, I don't want to call it an expose, but people confirmed all of the offensive dysfunction with the New England Patriots this year. You know, they changed the verbiage in the offense. And, look, Fourier played in Super Bowls. He played in the Patriots offense. And we just broke down the number system versus gobbledygook. For you, Michael, as a wide receiver, I know you played a whole chunk in that North Turner offense, but the how how bad is it to say to a football team, hey, you knew it was this way and it was in English, but now we're going to try to run things in Greek? Or did that stuff never connect with you? Well, oh, guys, let me tell you something. It, just, it, it depends on which way they went. I know they had a very complicated offense. I've heard about all of that. You know, you guys remember Chad Ochocinco days when he couldn't get it down. But but now, in a complicated offense, if you're going from the verbiage to the le- to the numbers, that's an easy fix. If we're going from all the verbiage to numbers, that, 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 that to me would be an easier fix. When you're going from numbers to verbiage, that's a whole different monster. Now, that's on one side of it. On the other side, on the other side, you have players that fit your system. That's why you've had success. I said to Jerry Jones when he brought in Chan Gailey, the dumbest thing you've ever done. The dumbest thing you've ever done. You, you won Super Bowls with the numbering system, the Noah Turner numbering system. You, you recruited all these players under that system. Now you bring in another system. You got to go find the players to fit that system. You can't. Every player don't play in every system. I had issues playing in that in that verbiage system. We had it in the Pro Bowl. I couldn't. Man, do Jet Sket act right? I said, what the? What? And I say this, guys. If you're leaving the huddle, this is where I learned this. And I tell kids all the time. If you're leaving the huddle, saying, man, what route do I run? Okay, on this play, I got. If you're if I'm leaving the huddle, heading to the line of scrimmage, thinking that. Instead of leaving the huddle saying, okay, how do I win on this route? I got to know the route right now. I got to look up and see what they're disguising and start reading coverage. I can't be leaving the huddle going to line scrimmage thinking about what route I'm running instead of what route, what coverage they're doing. You're going to lose if you do. You're going to lose. And, and, and man, when you just, when you told me they changed, are you joking? That's, that's crazy, especially with the success he had in his rookie season to throw a new offense. Into a set that 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 that's absolutely crazy. No, I know, and, it, and it's funny because um, 
Was North Turner, he was from what coaching tree? What coaching tree was he from? Like, where did he learn his office? It's not a, he's not a West Coast guy, is he? Well, wait, wait, who, who are you talking about? North Turner. North Turner. Oh, no, no, North from the Air, Air, Air Coriel days. Okay. The Air Coriel days. It was a numbering system. So, so listen, we're in the Pro Bowl, and we, we you know, back then you would beat a team, and the team that you lose to in the championship game goes and coach the Pro Bowl. So the 49ers were coaching the Pro Bowl quite a bit, if you know what I mean, when we were playing. So we'll get to that Niners game, but I made sure they would have coached over there. That's how I knew. And so we were going to the Pro Bowl, and for a week, we're going in this West Coast system. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Wait a minute. So Troy, who learned it, he's smart, he's a quarterback, he would just give me my route. He would two jet scat, X right, X over, D right, Michael run a three route. That's just a quick, that's just a, a twelve yard out. Yeah. Go all this in the huddle. Look at me, Michael running five route. That's a fifteen yard comeback. You know, I know these things. I say nowhere can I play in that system, and especially a switch over in the middle of a season or, or doing right before a season. It, it's almost impossible to get a hold of. So, how much do you know of Bill O'Brien? Well, I, I don't know much of Bill outside of the things I heard that went on in Houston. To be honest with you, but Bill had some success in Houston, at least winning divisions. Not necessarily winning titles. You know, people always say, you know, they won a championship. No, 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 no. Divisions are not really championships. They're in the process going towards a championship. You can't say I'm an NFC East champ. You want an NFC East division. That's what that is, just to make sure we keep them Super Bowls as up there where they belong. You know what I'm saying? Everybody don't have one. But, but yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. All right, let's get to uh, the championship games this weekend with Michael Irvin, who's with us on the Harbor One Hotline. Uh, to me, Kansas City is in a great spot. I know they got Cincinnati coming in. Cincinnati playmaker has been hot. I know that Patrick Mahomes is dinged up. But what about the dynamics of, like, a rematch from the regular season? Like, did the first game really count leading into this one minus injury situations? How do you sort of view the game between these two where Pat Mahomes 0-3 against Joe Burrow? Can't let that happen. You don't want another Tom Brady on your hands here. So what do you make of the AFC title game? This this, this is going to be, guys, this is going to be, this is going to be a great matchup. You understand what's at stake here when you go into this game. And, and, and did you not see where the Chiefs, uh, but the Cincinnati people are already saying, we're heading to Borough here. Not Arrowhead, Borough here. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you for giving us this. That will be the titles that we run up on all the questions that we talk about Sunday. They're hitting the borough head, borough head, and that means Patrick Mahomes, as great as Craig's had, as great of a career as he has had, he can't go 0-4 to the young up-and-coming. We just can't go 0-4. That's why this game is going to be so great. Patrick Mahomes is about to add that Willis Reed-like stuff to his legacy where he's on one leg. We're going by the end of the show, by the end of the game, I'm sure we'll be saying he's on one toe out there throwing the ball. Just one toe. That's how that's how dramatic this thing is going to be. But it's going to be a great game. And since I do right now, if you actually have since winning that football game, that's how I know Patrick Mahomes ain't going down easy. So does does uh does San Francisco have enough offense to keep up with Philly? Can 
Can Cincinnati keep up with Philly in the Super Bowl? They no, no. Can Can San Francisco, San Francisco oh, traveling yeah, yeah. to Philadelphia? They have enough. It seems like they're limited at sometimes, Michael. I don't know how you see right, it. Right, right, right. But going against a team that p- can put up so many points so quickly with such a good defense, I'm just curious to know with with Purdy as their quarterback if they can keep up. Yeah, yeah listen. Let me tell you what I saw, man. Last week when I was watching San Fran, I kept shaking my head, man, because I knew Dallas hadn't played. San Fran, yeah, and I, I mean, I was watching Philly, and I was shaking my head because I knew Dallas hadn't played San Fran, but I kept seeing that in my head, the Philly-San Fran game. Saying, wow, what a great matchup. Philly runs the ball well. San Fran stops you from running the ball. They've given up 70 yards on the run on the road and, and 70 yards all game and only six there at home. They, that's one thing they do not allow you to do. So I saw strength on strength. That's why I kept shaking my head saying, no, 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 stop taking the Cowboys out. Now I don't have to shake my head. I'm going to see that matchup. And absolutely, San Fran can run with this team because San Fran has as many. They have diversity in the, in the talent they have in their skill position, and, and they have as many weapons as, as, as Philly has. And, and what I believe it comes down to is the coaching. You watch Kyle Shanahan go up against Sirianni. I he had done a hell of a job with Philly, but he's finna get tested by the very best in the National Football League and, and, and Kyle Shanahan. So I can't wait to see this game. It's going to be a tight game. Quickly, our question of the week from Michael Irvin brought to you by the Catches Law Group, New England's personal injury pros at catcheslaw.com. Now, we're going to have a little fun with you because we know our guy, Mad Dog Russo here. He ain't afraid to yell at Stephen A. Smith. And listen, from what Mad Dog says, Michael Irvin, they hand out big checks there at ESPN. So I can understand, but come on now. Why are you taking guff from Stephen A.? Why why are you letting him do that stuff after Dallas loses? When are you going to turn around and be the playmaker and tell him to stick it? Well, listen, because I I, 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 we had, I had 12, 13 times this week, this season with the Cowboys won, that I was over the I was over the moon on him. You shut up on your own show. You can't, you know what I'm saying. So when he got that one, I knew it was coming. I just got to there thinking like a man. I was hey, listen. I, I was like, I knew that thing would come. I, I'm telling y'all, I must have had COVID eight times. I tried to call in at night time saying I got COVID. I can't come in. Y'all do it. Because I got cheated. I got cheated. When we did that game Monday night in, 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 in Tampa, right, it was crazy. The crowd was there. It was crazy. We did, the, we did the show Monday. And then we did the game Monday night. And that Tuesday, they were like, can you come back on? I was like, no, I got to go shoot inside the NFL. I, I had to go shoot inside the NFL, so I had to fly to New York. So I couldn't come back on and get my gravy and get my gravy, get all my glory from that story of the Cowboys knocking out the GOAT even before we got to San Fran. And then, without getting my hands on them after that, I had to endure that sight or suffer through that. Just suffer through that. Just, just take it. I said, Michael, don't, don't just – Show them you, you. You know how you got to try to show people, okay, I lost, I can take it. When I really can't take it. I've been in the bed ever since. I've been depressed. I hadn't really had really felt like myself. I'm in the gym right now trying to get back, work it out. You know, you got to get back going again. Let me get back going. The next week's about to come up. I got to get back, and it's over. I got next year. I got to wait the next year. So, so I guess I can say this. I'm with you guys now. <laughs> and on that note we are happy you are thanks for a great year michael we appreciate it we look forward to uh picking it back up in uh september thanks a bunch for all the time enjoy the pump and the protein shake and we'll catch you down the road absolutely guys guys let me say this to everybody man that's listening i really do appreciate guys tuning in 
and I appreciate you guys letting me be a part of your family. You know, I know I played for another team in another city, but we talk football. We both, we all love football, and that's, that's our common goal. And family, family, family is bonded by more than just blood. Sometimes it's with love and, 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 and our love of the game. So I just appreciate you guys accepting me and the family. Nah, thank Thanks. you, man. We'll talk to you next year, definitely. Thank Absolutely. you. Thanks. Right, there we go. Thanks. There goes the playmaker, Michael Irvin, getting in the, uh, the pump or the run or whatever. Are you done? Brings it home next. WEEI, WEEI, New England Sports Original. Now, more Gresham Fourier on WEEI. Now, it's time for... Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? On Crash and Fourier. We're going to give you more breakdown on the whole offensive verbiage tomorrow and how it can sound like speaking from English to Greek, but it is time for Are You Done? Sponsored by Unified Office. If you run a business, you know the rough impact the labor shortage can have on your customer's phone experience. Unified Office specializes in keeping businesses from losing income and customer calls and revenue. Learn more at unifiedoffice.com. Billy Lanny, are you done? Today, gentlemen, I am done. Oh, Are you wow. done? Are you done? done? Are you done? I am done. Wow. Done. done. All right. Terp, are you done? I'm not done. So okay. kind of a weird story coming out of New Brunswick, New Jersey. There was a 29-year-old woman that snuck into a high school and acted as a student and didn't get caught for four days. What? It's like what? real Wait. life, like almost like 21 Jump Street, but they weren't like a cop. They don't have any like reason as to why she was there, but she was there. And got away with it for four days until she got caught. So wait, so, okay, so I would assume that most high schools, you have to have like a little key card to get into the school or some sort of identification. Like a wand well, or something. she provided yeah. fake documentation uh, and okay. then got busted, but there's no like rhyme or reason as to why she did it. Nobody really knows, but you would think like in today's world, there's just no way that would happen. It's like when Peter Griffin went back with Meg when they were trying to figure out who was licking Toad. They had to get rid of that whole thing in Quahog. It was a big problem. Hmm. But interesting. I think. It, I think. I don't think it's, it's as cartoon. hard as you think. I don't think it's as hard as you think. To be honest with you, some of these schools have so many damn kids in them. But so they have a lot of kids, like two thousand, three thousand kids at, at a high school. I can easily see some some uh, someone, adult that looks like a kid sneaking in when some other kid uses their ID. He sneaks in, but to be comes like into 18, the, like to shave eleven years off your age, and people look and can't figure it out. Twenty nine's a big jump. But yeah. there, are, there are listen. It is rare, but I've there's a lot of people I've seen. It's like, wow, how old are you? And they sit there and go, listen, I'm 32 years yeah, old. Yeah, or it's the teacher that goes, oh, I just turned 28, and all the students think she's smoking hot. I'm just saying, like, it's not like it's more like Never Been Kissed than it was the movie with uh, Drew Barrymore than it was 21 Jump Street. Yeah, I didn't really have it. I'd never seen that one, so I was just kind of thinking about right. like, an example or right. it's, where 30, they were sneaking into a, schools. There's a solid 30 year difference between right, you two, right. so your reference points will be different. Okay. Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? I am done. Oh, yeah, you done. No, I'm not. I'm going to take you back to November 29th, 2022, when the uh, Boston Bruins took on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And uh, play-by-play guy Jack Edwards said this about the goalie uh, for uh, – well, actually said this nope. about Pat Maroon there you go. Uh, from the last time they played. Listed at 238 pounds. <laughs> that was day one of training camp. Huh? I got a feeling he's – 
had a few more pizzas between then and now. Yeah, that's before pregame. Yeah, right. <laughs> fasting. <laughs> Inadvertent fasting for Pat Maroon is like four hours without a meal. <laughs> Actually, first of all, I loved it. I thought it was great. Jack does it all the time. But for some reason, okay, so Pat Maroon didn't like it at all. He openly shamed Jack Edwards for calling him out and making fun of him for being overweight, whatever. I just saw this picture of Jack, which, which it looks like he is in the locker room of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't even know if it's real. I, I think it is real. Um, supposedly apologizing to Pat Maroon um, for basically making fun of him, even though he already did like a Twitter apology. But it looks like he walked in there, apologized, and also brought him some donuts. I don't know if that was a dig, weird uh, type of way to apologize. But he apologized. They brought so, him donuts? No, I'm kidding. You? I added the donuts part. Wouldn't that be say. funny? Hey, I apologize for calling you fat. Here's a bunch of apple fritters. That sounded a little <laughs> condescending. You, if you, uh, the donuts. you grew up with Looney Tunes, so you'll understand this one. Jack Edwards, the real maroon in this situation. Nah. Eh, that's Thank you okay. Very much. That's okay. Uh, well, are you done? Yeah, we're out of here on this. Happy 89th birthday to the legend, Bob Euchre who was fantastic in the Major League movies, who has been calling baseball games up for as long as I can remember and maybe as long as he can remember as well. Still working the uh, limited schedule out there in Milwaukee. 89 Wait, years old. I was just going to ask you, calling this, games. was this like a, hey, he's dead uh, on this on this day no. he was born? But he, So he is still alive. He is still alive. Wow. Wow. You know who else's birthday is today? Paul Newman. Oh, really? Yes. Not that it actually goes with that, All but right. I just I saw it. I was like, oh, happy birthday. I was going to make a Mr. Belvedere joke, but we are now out of time. Tomorrow, we got Bruins and Celtics to recap, AFC and NFC championship game, and more on that Patriots offensive verbiage with maybe some visual aids. Uh, Terp and Billy produced it. If something went wrong, blame them. It is Mego and Hart and Fitzy next Fourier and I will see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? Okay, okay. Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? Okay, okay.